This is the Law for Community Workers podcast for community and health workers produced by Legal Aid New South Wales. My name is Pauline and I'm from the Community Legal Education Branch here in Legal Aid and we would like to acknowledge that our podcast is recorded on Aboriginal land and pay our respects to Elders past and present and extend that respect to any First Nations listeners joining us today. Always was, always will be. Today's episode, Strata for Starters, is about living as a tenant in a strata property and being the owner of a strata property. We are joined by Justin from Marrickville CLC, who will shed some light on the often dreaded strata dwelling. Hi, Justin, and welcome to our podcast. Hi, Pauline. Thanks for having me. The service is called Strata Collective Sales Advocacy Service. It gives advice, assistance, legal information, advocacy to owners and occupiers of strata units throughout all of New South Wales, so a wide range of clients. Um, My role is the assistant principal solicitor, so I supervise the tenancy, strata and civil law services here at Marrickville Legal Centre. For those that don't know, Marrickville Legal Centre is a not-for-profit community legal centre in Sydney's inner west uh, with two statewide services, one being strata and one being our youth legal service. And what do you like most about your role, Justin? Um, The diversity of clients that I get to speak to every day and you know, meet people from all different walks of life is probably my favourite part of the role. Um, from a legal perspective, it's obviously helping people who find themselves in situations of injustice and unfairness um, and just trying to make that a little bit better through the work we do. So before we get into the nitty gritty, Justin, would you just give us a little bit more of a background on the Strata service? How old is it? So the Strata Service has been around since 2016, so it's a fairly new service. Um, it was first created just to deal with collective sales, but now it deals with kind of general management issues within the Strata scheme. And as I was saying, it offers free legal assistance to owner occupiers that live in a Strata scheme. It's a fairly small service. It, it operates across the whole state of New South Wales with 1.6 solicitors at our legal centre. Gosh. Um, there is also a, a, yeah, there's also a specialist legal centre for people aged 60 years and over at Seniors Rights that does a very similar service to us mm-hmm. and gives advice on Strata as well. Does the Strata service provide training or CLEs? We do. We've done a few community legal education sessions across all of the state, the South Coast, the North Coast. Last night we were at Blacktown City Library and did a Strata Law Seminar for Law Week. Um, Tomorrow we're doing one for the Owners Corporation Network. So we do a lot of community legal education in the community um, and you can often follow our social media to see what's coming up. Oh, that's excellent. So as as you deal with uh, property owners, does the Strata Service have any sort of eligibilities? Uh, the strata service itself predominantly helps people who own and live in their their strata unit so no investors um, in some circumstances we also advise tenants because we have two tenancy services here at marrickville legal center we'll get into some questions uh, let's focus first on what it means to live in a strata managed property as a tenant so do tenants have any additional responsibilities like adhering to bylaws or are there any additional costs to the tenancy when they move into a strata property? I think the main benefit for a tenant, so someone that's renting, is that you don't need to pay strata levies. You just pay the rent that's prescribed in the tenancy agreement with your landlord. So strictly speaking, there's no additional costs. The rent might be a little bit higher if you've got a scheme that has a lot of facilities like swimming pools and tennis courts. But generally speaking, no, you're not paying additional costs to live in strata. Uh, You do have a bunch of additional responsibilities, and these are 
sometimes tenants don't even know these exist because they're not given the right information when they're signing agreements, but tenants are bound by the bylaws of the strata scheme. And each strata scheme has kind of unique set of bylaws. They're all very different between different schemes. And your landlord's supposed to give you a copy of those before you sign the agreement. Now, that doesn't always happen, unfortunately. So tenants can find themselves in situations where they're uh, breaching a bylaw but not knowing what that bylaw is. Common example is uh, visitor parking or pets. You bring a pet in, your lease says you can have a pet, but there are approval processes in a pet's bylaw and you didn't know about that. You can be issued notices to comply. And if you breach bylaws again after getting that, you could end up in a worst case scenario at the tribunal facing civil penalties as a tenant. Is there any way for a tenant to get a hold of the bylaws that doesn't mean having to wait for the landlord to give them to you? Can you access them independently somewhere? Um, it's best to get them from your real estate or landlord because that's mm-hmm. the way you get it for free. Otherwise, you'd find yourself having to make a payment, for example, at New South Wales Land Registry Services, I believe there's a fee. So your landlord needs to give you a copy before you sign the agreement. Um, and it's a breach of, of the tenancy laws if they don't. Okay, so tenants do have a bit of pushback as far as getting access to it. Yep. So there's an obligation. Correct. Okay, okay, good. Yep. Justin, in a non-strata property, the lease will have a pet clause, which we just mentioned. Um, whether it's an additional cost or none allowed or wombats only or whatever the owner wants. Uh, How does this work under strata management? So it's it's a very relevant topic. There is a bit of a misconception at the moment due to changes in strata law. Unfortunately, a landlord at the moment can still ban a pet. So Mm -hmm. they can cross out the pets clause Mm -hmm. that usually sits at the end or they can say no pets, Mm -hmm. despite what's happening in strata world. So if your landlord says no pets, you're kind of stuck. You can't go further in terms of strata. However, if your landlord's allowing you to have a pet, then you can go through strata approval processes. Mm-hmm. Strata law is pretty strong on pets. You can not You can no longer have a bylaw that bans pets. Mm. So any bylaw or a decision that unreasonably prohibits the keeping of an animal uh, under the strata law has no force or effect. So when it comes to support animals, does that is that still covered under those uh, those restrictions or those bylaws, or is there a special allowance for like seeing eye dogs or support animals in that respect? So assistance animals, landlords cannot ban mm-hmm. assistance animals, uh, and strata cannot ban assistance animals. Now that could be seeing eye dogs, for example. It could even be dogs that are trained to alleviate the effects of anxiety, for example. But yeah, there's no exclusion under either law Mm -hmm, um, if the pet is an assistance animal. Okay, great. And can a tenant be a member of a strata committee or board? Strictly speaking, no. The tenant could be a proxy, for example, if the owner allows them to vote on their behalf by filling out a valid proxy form. Uh, In situations where this whole scheme has at least half of the lots tenanted, the tenants can nominate a representative for strata committee meetings. Okay. They can't vote, but they can receive a copy of the agenda and they can attend and speak and raise some issues. Mm -hmm. Your landlord is supposed to complete a tenancy notice within two weeks or 14 days after you commence your lease. That has your name, your address for service, and that allows tenants to receive communication and be counted in the tenanted lots, essentially. Okay, so tenants are made aware of things that come out of the strata meetings? If they're on that strata roll registration, they should be receiving communication. More often than not, that may not happen, unfortunately. Okay. It may be proactive. Okay. Otherwise, if the landlord has given notice to the owner's corp that there are attendants, the tenant can attend the annual general meeting but can't vote and they're not permitted to speak without permission and they can be prohibited from certain discussions like financial discussions. So there's not much benefit in doing that, but 
is something that can be done. Okay. What about when a tenant needs repairs under strata? How does that work for them? So if we're talking about strictly common property elements of the building, let's say the front security gate uh, or something in the common hallway, it's not really in your premises that you're renting. It's best for the tenant to write directly to the strata committee or the strata agent, putting that repair concern to them and asking them to address it. So the Owners Corp has a very strict duty under strata law to ensure common property is properly maintained and kept in good repair. Uh, In the situation where it is within your premises and you're not sure if it's common property or not, uh, you should inform your landlord as well and let them know that there are repairs to be done either in your premises or near your premises and ask them to write to the agent or the owner's corporation about the concerns about the repairs. That's the starting process. If that fails, tenants should get advice. It does get a little bit complicated in terms of where to go. As a tenant, we often tell people to pursue the landlord Mm. for the repairs, um, but it does depend on what the repair is. Mm. And that's done through the tribunal. But tenants also have a choice to kind of pursue the owner's corporation by first going to mediation at Fair Trading, which has a specialist strata mediation service. And there are options to go to NCAT in strata, but it is very important to seek advice Mm -hmm. because it does depend on the type of repair and and the the kind of context about what's happening with the repairs. Okay, wonderful. So Justin, is there anything you'd like to add to that regarding being a tenancy under strata? I would say two things. The owner's corp cannot evict you. uh, And before you enter into an agreement, your landlord needs to disclose scheduled rectification works on common property or major repairs to be carried out on common property if it's during the fixed term of your agreement. So if you suddenly find scaffolding up and you had no idea about it and you just entered into the lease, you should definitely seek some advice. So, okay, Justin, that's a lot clearer now for tenancy and strata. Uh, So let's move on to owning a strata property. What exactly is the role of the owner to the strata board service? Like what are their responsibilities and rights? So there are different roles in strata and it can often be a bit of a maze, but how I like to set it out is as the owner's corporation at the top, and that's all the owners from time to time who own a lot in the scheme. And they're responsible for the general management of the scheme, control of common property, the administration of the scheme, finances, accounts, common property maintenance and insurance. Under them, you've got the strata committee and the strata committee are elected at each annual general meeting. So once in every financial year, Uh, it must consist of at least three members unless you're in a two lot scheme. And often there are particular office holders. You might have a chairperson who has certain roles, a treasurer who has certain roles and a secretary has certain roles and you you can have people without particular holding positions. And they make some of the decisions in the scheme, but not all of them. For example, they can't pass a bylaw that needs to go to the owner's corporation. Then you've got the strata managing agent who conducts day-to-day management of the scheme and their delegated functions from the owner's corp and the strata committee. They're appointed under contracts with the owner's corporation. And in some schemes, you have a building manager, so an on-site manager who does day-to-day management of the scheme. You often see building managers in schemes where there's a lot of facilities such as gyms, rooftops, pools, tennis courts. Um, So each one has kind of different responsibilities, but it all comes back to the owner's corp's responsibility for managing the strata scheme, which is that list I set out a little bit earlier. And that's that's really the responsibility of the whole scheme. Okay. So you mentioned the two owner property. How how does that work for the two owners? Uh, What's the difference? 
the two owners will automatically form part of the strata committee because there's only two of them. Mm. Um, there are different sets of rules for two lot strata schemes uh, when it comes to insurance, auditing, finances and meetings and voting. Mm. Um, so if you are in a two lot strata scheme, it could be a duplex, for example, or, or just two townhouses. Um, it's important to kind of seek specialist advice on that. How are strata levies calculated for their service? Uh, are the levies the same for every owner in a multiple dwelling, like uh, blocks of flats and things like that? So the each strata scheme will have a different kind of levy payment. Mm -hmm. They're not there's not a single rule for strata schemes or different dwellings. The legislation mm -hmm. itself doesn't prescribe a limit on what the levies are. It is the owners corporation, which is all the owners who vote on what the levies are going to be for the next financial year. Um, and then the amount you pay as an individual is worked out in proportion to your unit entitlements with your lot, which you can find on the strata roll. Mm -hmm. So when, when setting the levies, usually an agent will prepare a budget which shows the current financial situation and the estimates of payments that are going to be made and received for the scheme. Mm -hmm. And that budget will be reviewed at a meeting and it's voted on essentially. And that's how the quarterly levies are passed. There's usually four, three to four levies that are passed for, for the year essentially. Okay. So is that how they, they administer the rises in strata levies? Like the when the payments go up? Yeah, so if you, one year you're paying 600 a quarter, the next year you might find yourself paying $900 a quarter because of the budget and what payments, the estimates of payments made and received. Mm. Yeah, so it, it can change quickly, essentially, from AGM to AGM. Okay. Are there any payment options with strata levies? Are people obligated to pay at a certain interval or can they, can they negotiate to pay weekly or fortnightly or monthly? So payment plans are mentioned in the legislation. Um, they are a possibility. Some schemes have specific bylaws that allow payment plans. You should check your bylaws if you find yourself in that position. Most don't. Um, the law says that you can ask for a payment plan with the owner's corporation, but it's not mandatory that they actually give you one. So some schemes will say, we don't do payment plans. Um, please pay your levies when they're due and payable. Okay. Before this interview, you actually mentioned special levies during a conversation and they're an additional cost on top of ordinary payments. Can you please talk to us a little bit about what they're all about? So I think the best way to kind of simplify special levies is they're often raised when the scheme doesn't have enough funds in either of the funds, the capital works or administrative fund, and they need, the scheme needs to pay for an urgent or essential expense or repair issue. Oh, okay. uh, common examples are changing the windows if there's leaking or they're old, um, changing mm -hmm. the balustrades in the scheme. These are expensive works. It may not have been budgeted, so the scheme passes a special levy to cover that cost. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, special levies, unfortunately, often do lead to the debt scenarios. It's usually because there are people that live in schemes that have limited income. They may be on a Centrelink uh, benefit, such as disability support pension or the age pension. Um, there are new people moving into the building, for example, and they want to beautify the complex. And suddenly these people have to find lump sum payments towards the special levies that they don't have. And that's where the cycle of debt comes from. We often see um, through the special levies, unfortunately. Okay, so the strata debt doesn't just sit still, does it? One payment can actually balloon significantly due to interest and added fees, I believe. Can you talk to us through that, please? So as an owner in the Strata Scheme, the, the, the Strata Schemes Management Act assumes and tells you you have obligations to pay your levies when they're due and payable. 
and you are right in that it doesn't just sit still. If it's not paid one month after it's due and payable, mm. you'll start to see things like interest being added on to your ledger, as well as things like legal fees, because the law says the owner's corp can add interest, as well as the reasonable expenses they've incurred in trying to recover any unpaid levies from you. Now, that the problem with that is what was a small payment due then becomes a large payment over time. So it starts to balloon and it's very hard to kind of break out of that cycle once it starts, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. So then what's the first thing a property owner should do if they incur a strata debt? So if they fall into financial hardship, I often recommend that they speak to a free financial counsellor through the national debt hotline and get a budget drawn up. And that's the starting process for trying to negotiate a payment plan. It is important to seek advice, for example, from your local legal centre like Marrickville or Seniors Rights who do strata debts, as well as Financial Rights Legal Centre, about the debt itself, if you are having issues with it and are concerned that it may not be valid, for example, or it wasn't passed properly at a meeting. It's better to do that early on, because if you do it later on, the debt is ballooning behind you. Um, and your options become quite limited. So the first thing I would do is seek advice and speak to a financial counsellor as well. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us today, Justin, and shedding some light on Strata for tenants and owners. It was really great to have you. Thanks for having me, Pauline. And I'd just like to highlight that if anyone has any Strata-related issues, to please contact our centre. Um, you can leave a web inquiry on our website, mlc.org.au. Uh, or give us a call on 955928999. Thank you. That was our guest, Justin Abidea from Marrickville Legal Centre Strata Services. As always, you'll find links to all the websites, pages and resources mentioned in this episode, as well as a full transcript listed in our show notes. Or you can email us to cle at legalaid.nsw.gov.au. This has been Law for Community Workers. Thank you for listening and goodbye, everyone.